you've got your Bibles, turn me to 1 John chapter 5. We're, we're looking at the last chapter of 1 John, uh, the first five verses tonight. They're an interesting, interesting set of scripture here that, uh, that you no doubt has probably read many times. Um, and so we want to go back and revisit these, these first five verses here in, in 1 John. We got through talking to you last Wednesday night concerning obedience and what it means for us to obey in our, in our Bible study. But I want you to look here. Matter of fact, let's, let's go back up into chapter 4, verse 20. Uh, let's start there, then we'll go back down and, and sort of catch us up a little bit of where we are in chapter 5. Verse 20 said, If somebody says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? This commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot also, loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, let me stop here long enough to, to, to tell you this. There's, there's a lot of folk that feel like that when they give their heart to the Lord, Brother Adam, that, that it's a heavy, it's a heavy burden to carry. But this scripture says it's not. It's not, it's not a heavy burden to carry. His, his, his ways you know, are not heavy. They're not hard for you and I to carry. Now, if, if we was honest with ourselves, most of the time when people make those statements, it's like, I, I, want, I, need, I know I need to give that up, but boy, I don't want to give that up. We're tied in to this world. We're tied in, and we have a love for this world, and we, want, we don't want to let this thing go. But how many knows that if you and I are going to be born of God, we've got to let some things go in the world? Hello, is that okay? We've got to let some things go. We, we, they can't be tied to us. If, 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 I, if I was to give you an example tonight, I, I'd get up on stage, and I would tie two ropes to my legs, and, we would, and we'd have a different uh, ropes tied to that rope, and we'd have different things tied to those ropes. And, and, and in my walk with God, I would just be pulling all of that burdensome stuff around because sin is burdensome, if, you, if you're honest with yourself. I didn't say sin couldn't be fun for a while because the Bible talks about that. But sin will only last, or the fun part will only last for just a moment. It won't last forever. Sin will destroy you. Sin will take you into places that you don't want to be. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, I promise you. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, you, Pastor, I've gone too far and I don't even know how I got here. It's amazing. That's a, that's a powerful statement when you hear that. I've gone too far and I don't even realize Matter of fact, you look back in the Old Testament in Samson of old. The Bible said Samson woke up as before, and he shook himself, and he did not even know that the Holy Spirit had left him. Now think about that. He shook himself. He, did not, he, he, he was not aware that God's Spirit, God's presence left him, Brother Adam, and he was not able to defeat the Philistines, and you know, and you know the rest of the story there. And so if we're born of God, there's some things that we must let go in this world. And verse 3 said, For this is the love of God, that we keep the commandments of the Lord. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. 
Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let me ask you a question without you, without you raising your hand or anything like that. How many of you believe that Jesus is the Lord? How many of us really believe that he is the Christ? How many of us really believe, especially as we come up on this Easter season, if somebody would come and ask us, oh, do you really believe this Jesus thing? Do you really believe the Scriptures, what the Scriptures saying? What are we going to say? What are we going to tell them? Are we able to share with them the good news and the message of the Lord Jesus Christ? There's a story I read the other day that during the French Revolution that men were determined in that, in that era to abolish Christianity. They wanted to take it out. They wanted to get rid of it. Matter of fact, one night there was an atheist who loudly proclaimed his doctrine to the poor countrymen of that day. He said, everything will be abolished. He said, I make a proclamation that all churches will be abolished, the Bibles will be abolished, all clergymen will be abolished, everything. Matter of fact, even the word of God will be abolished. We shall remove everything that speaks of religion. One of the guys that he was talking to, one of the countrymen that he was talking to, sort of grinned a little bit and gave a little chuckle. And the soldier and the, and the other guy this, said, what, what are you laughing at? And this, this, uh, this countryman pointed to the stars, and he, he looked at all the stars that was in the sky, and he said, well, I'm laughing because I was just wondering when you said that, how in the world you, are you and your people, your crew, going to manage to get all of those down? Because he slung all of those in existence. Now, that's a great answer, isn't it? Because he understood what God did. When we understand that God is the creator of everything, doesn't matter what man, I don't, and you can go, go back in your history, I don't have to tell you this, but over and over again, there's been people try to abolish Christianity. Over and over again, there's been people to stomp, or try to stamp out the Bible, what, what, the, what the Word of God said, but it's still alive today, isn't it? It's still real today. And so we live in this world and we live in this society that, that wants to do away with God and everything's sacred. At least it seems that way at times. And many people don't believe in God and, and they don't care about God. I shared with you last Wednesday night, I believe, that, that on the news last week that Louis Farrakhan, and you know who I'm talking about, made the, made the statement about God that he was the Christ. He said, Jesus, this guy you call Jesus, I'm not even sure if he ever existed, he said. But I want to let you guys know that I am the Christ. And he went on and made this statement. He said, I'll just, I'll just prove it this way. I believe it so much that if I'm not, then, some, then, I, then let me die. Well, i got to be honest with you. There's been a few days that I've been waking up wanting, thinking I'm going to hear on the news that Louis Farrakhan is dead. Now, I don't know if that's right. don't know if that's wrong. But, but that's, a, that's, a, that's a pretty bold statement from this guy. But we live in this world where many people don't care about God. They don't want to hear anything about God, Christ, the Bible, any of those things. And in the world that we live in, sometimes it's, 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 it's an unbelieving kind of world. And, and it's because, because it's unbelieving, that is why that we're experiencing the times that we're living in. I watch my news just like you, and some of these, some of our leaders of our nations today making these statements that they make, I'm thinking, how in the world? Or can we even call ourselves, Paul, a Christian nation anymore? Because of what they're saying and because of what they're trying to pass. Are we a Christian nation anymore? And I, and I would hope that we are, but we're getting so far to the left that, that we would have to wonder, Lord, where are we? In your eyes, 
Where are we in your eyes? Because when people stop believing in God, they stop believing in heaven, they, they stop believing in the fact that someday they'll have to give an account to him. If they, if they feel like they don't have to give an account to God, people will do anything. If they feel like that they don't have to stand in judgment in front of God, people will do anything. And that's what we're experiencing today. That's what we're seeing. Matter of fact, Psalm, Psalms 14, 1 and 3 says this. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. There is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is, there is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, uh, who, who understand any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have uh, together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one, the psalmist said. What a powerful scripture when you look at that. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's a powerful truth about the condition of where we are today about the condition of mankind today, unbelieving, vile, no good. And the Lord sees every one of us tonight. Well, Pastor, you're not talking about me because I'm sitting here on a Wednesday night. Hallelujah, I'm glad that you are. But we have to and we must, even I do, we must examine ourselves. Paul said, I've got to check myself every now and then. At least when I preach to others, I myself will become a castaway. I've got to be careful in all the good that I'm going around doing all these things that I forget my relationship with the Lord. And we must continue to have that relationship with the Lord if we're going to call ourselves born of God. Sin, if we're not careful, will infect us. And, and there's only one way that the, and, and one escape, and that's through Christ. That's, that's through being born again through Jesus Christ. And basically, if a person wants to see eternal life, we must be. You, you know the scripture. You know, the, the Bible tells us we must be born again, right? Somebody asked Jesus one time, how in the world can I come out of my mama's womb the second time? That's not what he was talking about. But we must be born again. There was a time that you were born again. Not a physical birth, but you was born the second in a spiritual, in a spiritual setting. You were born again. Being born of God may mean many things, but we won't talk about two or three of those tonight. Being born of God requires us to simply have a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. We must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, verse 1 says, If anyone who believes that Christ, or Jesus, is the Christ, he is born of God, if you believe. Everyone who loves the Father loves the child as well. So we must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We must believe in what this, this born-again business is, is talking about. We must believe. Matthew 16 and 13 said this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do, who do they say the Son of Man is? And they replied, Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. And still others said that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He said, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter stepped up and he answered and said, Lord, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's, that's what this weekend is all about. That's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. Look, if, if, if we did not believe the fact that he resurrected from the grave, there would be no reason for us to go through Easter this weekend. None whatsoever. Resurrection is what it's all about. My belief that he resurrected from the grave. He was not just a good man, even though he was. He was not just a man that went around doing good things, even though he did. 
He was not just a guy that went around and healed the sick, and even though he did. He was not just a man that went around and opened blinded eyes and caused the death, even though he did. But he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it's whom you and I, we serve, we worship. That's the question that every one of us has to answer one day, either on earth or when we die. John tells us in John 14 and 1, he said, look, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there's what? There's many mansions. And if I'm going, you're going to go as well. If you trust in me, if you believe on me. You see, it's not just enough just to believe in God or believe that God, uh, believe that God exists. If, if, if you and I are going to experience a, a new life or a born-again life, we've got to believe in the Christ, not just God. Not just God. It, it's hard. I, I don't understand people that can look all around us and look at this world, look at all the beautiful sights of this world, and look at all the creation and say there is no God. That, that's, I don't understand. I don't get that. But some is that way. But there's a lot of people that is not saved, that's not Christians, that still believe in God, but yet they think Jesus was just a good man, a historical figure. Many people believe in a God. Many folks believe in a God, but a true and a living God is the one who sent Jesus into the world to save us. That's the God in whom you and I believe in. That's the Jesus that we believe in. And there's many, many people today that still doesn't believe in Jesus. It really depends on who you ask. I was reading this the other day, and, this, and I've had, I saw several of these. Well, let me give you about three or four. There was a guy that, that somebody talked to in South America concerning Jesus, and this is what he said. He said, I think Jesus is not God, and he can't be God. He is human, and he was a prophet. God can't take the shape of a human because God is infinite and can't be contained in a human body. That was his thought. They went to Alabama. They, they, they done this poll, and, and, and one of the guys said this about Jesus. I think Jesus might have been a good person in his time. Today, he is a monument to the stupidity of Christians. Think about that. Somebody went to Maryland up north, asked a guy, and this is what he said, Jesus was a rabble rouser and a good, smart guy that lived and died some 2,000 years ago. Now, that's just three comments. There's, there's thousands of comments of what people think that Jesus is, but I don't know about you, but I beg to differ with these three right here. Matter of fact, if you go back in your history book, Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, made this proclamation. He wrote this in A.D. 30, uh, 37 to 95 in his, in his writings. He said this. He said, now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man. For he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as receive the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was Christ. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men among us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at the first did not forsake him. For he appeared to them alive again the third day. As the divine prophets had foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him, and the tribe of Christians so named from him are not extinct even to this day. 
Josephus had a, had a personal account of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wrote from a historical viewpoint. He understood this. Matter of fact, they say the Encyclopedia Britannica uses over 20,000 words. Think about this. To explain and tell about the Lord. To speak about Jesus. And, he, and they never hint one time that he didn't exist. It's more than words. It's more than words, they said <laughs> in this encyclopedia. It's more than the words they use for Aristotle. It's more words than they use for Alexander the Great. It's more words than they use for Julius Caesar or Napoleon Bonaparte or all the other folks. Jesus had more words used to describe who this guy was even in the encyclopedia. Matter of fact, there was a guy that ran for president in our, in our U.S. nation, William Jennings Bryant. He, uh, he is, uh, again, running for U.S. president in his book. He wrote this. He said, the fact that Christ cannot be denied. Christ lived, that is admitted. He taught, and we have his words. He died upon the cross, that we know. We can trace his blood by the cleansing power as it flows through the centuries. Judged by his life, his teaching, and his death, and the impression that they made upon the human race, we conclude that he was divine, and that he has justified the titles, every one of the titles bestowed upon him. He was the Christ. Now let me ask you a question, and I know the answer to this, but do you know him as the Christ? Have you experienced him as the Christ? And when somebody asks you, explain this Christianity thing to me, can you do it? Can you talk to them about the love of Jesus Christ? 1 John 2 and 22 said, who is a liar? Is it the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Such a man is an antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Has the Father also. So what are we saying? The, the, fact, the fact is for us tonight is that nobody can experience being born again or having a new birth or a new life unless they first believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody care who you are, care where you come from, you must believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You got to go by the way of the cross. Amen? You got to go by the way of the cross. So being born again simply means that I trust him. I'm going to believe upon him. I'm going to, I'm going to know that I know that I know that he is God. Second thing I found out in the scripture, these first five verses is this, is being born again of God surrenders us in an obedience to Christ if we're truly his. Now, I've got, I got to admit to you, Brother Paul, there's times that, that the Lord says some things, and I say, Lord, are you sure about this? You know, we, I, we question God. There's times that things come up, and Lord, are you, are you really wanting me to do this? Are you really wanting me to go this direction? Are you really wanting me to think about these things? And I, I may not understand it, and I may not understand everything that I may be going through, because of, uh, but I, I must trust and obey the Lord, right? Because he knows what's best for me. Verse 2 said, this is how we know that, the love of, uh, that, the, that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out, in other words, we obey his commands. This is the love of God, to obey his commands. His commands are not burdensome. And so we've got to come to God on his terms, not ours. And that's the problem that we have sometimes. God, I'll come and I'll serve you, but it's going to be on my terms. It ain't going to happen. 
It's not going to happen. God's ways are higher than our ways, right? God's ways are better than, our, than my way. So I've got to trust God. I've got to be obedient unto the Father. We can't make our own rules when it comes to God, but there's a lot of folks that try. We can't justify everything that we do and still think we're okay. There's a lot of folks that does that today. We justify our actions. We justify who we are. We justify our way of life, the way that we live each and every day. And we think that, that, that you know, because we do this that God is going to forgive us. Look, I'm not saying God can't forgive you, but you've got to get some things right. You've heard me say this more than once. If we want to serve God the right way, we've got to get some things right. We've got to follow the right path that God will have us to follow. We've got to do what the book is telling us to do. I can't justify everything that I want to do and, and think it's okay. Well, Pastor, you don't know everything that I've, that I've been through this week, and you don't know everything that I've been through last week. I may, you know, I may have a right to act that way. No, you don't. I mean, if anybody in the Bible had a right to act ugly, it was the Apostle Paul. Man, he was shipwrecked. He was beat up. He was starved. He, left, he was left naked several times. He was rock thrown in the bottom of a dungeon somewhere. I mean, he was, this guy had all kinds of things taking place in his life. That was not good. That was not pretty pictures. But this guy, did, he, didn't, he didn't lose his faith. He didn't lose what he had. He trusted God that he was able to say at the end of his life, I have fought a good fight. Understand the word fought. Sometimes it's a fight. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes I don't want to go the way God wants me to go. Sometimes I don't want to do what God wants me to do. Sometimes I don't want to talk to some folks that God wants me to talk to. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Sometimes it's a fight, but Paul said, I, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. In other words, I've, I'm, I'm obedient unto the Father. Many folk like the idea of living by faith, and that's right and that's good, but obedience must be followed. Obedience must be followed, must be followed. Funny little thing, a couple been married for 20 years. They was having a heated discussion one day. Husband said, don't you remember promising to love me? Don't you remember promising 20 years ago to honor me? Don't you remember 20 years ago you promised to obey me? The wife said, of course I do, but what else could I do? I didn't want to make a scene in front of the church. We, we, we go into these things sort of backwards a little bit. And when you think about it, most people don't want to obey anybody. I don't know, I don't know, about, I don't know about you guys, but there's, there's, some, uh, there's some folks that, that if, if, you, if, if you knew the direction that they needed to go, let's just, let's just pick on Matt here a little bit. He was picking on me before church, so I'll pick on him. Let's just say Matt was, was somebody that was very strong-willed about things. And it didn't matter what you say, it didn't matter what you done, he was just very strong-willed, he had an opinion, he was going to let you know this opinion. And you saw danger for him. And you go to him and you say, Matt, this thing that you're, that you're thinking about doing, the Lord revealed to me that you don't need to be doing that. It's, there, it's dangerous up the road. You need, to, you need to back away from that. Now, he has, one, he has a decision to make. He can listen to me as a good friend and, and somebody say, okay, yeah, he, he's got my best interest at heart. But if he's a strong-willed individual, a lot of times he'll say, I don't, I don't believe that. I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. And then if I was to say, Matt, do not do that. Now, when you start demanding things like that with people, something rises up within folks and said, oh, I'm going to do it anyway. 
Husbands and wives, you know about this a whole lot. You know what I'm talking about. Karen, I'll just use Karen and I. Karen, Karen to tell you. If I, if, I was, if I made a statement to Karen and say, Karen, I don't want you to do that, well, I'm going to. Karen, I do not want you to do it. Well, I'm going to. And this is her statement to me. Say, you already know. You already know. We, we settled this thing when we first got married. The more you tell me not to do it, that something rises within me, and, and, and we husbands, we're, 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 we're bad like that too, but now we've got to be careful with that because we can be doing the wrong thing. Her, she can and I can too. Do you understand what I'm saying? We've got to be careful with that, and we've got we to understand we've got to surrender to obedience. We've got to surrender to the Father. Most people don't want to obey anybody, whether it's a wife, whether it's a husband, a, a boss, a manager, whatever the case may be, but obedience is absolutely necessary. I've heard, I've heard young people make this statement before. Well, when I get 18, I get 19, I'm going to get out of mom and daddy's house, and I can do whatever I want to do. No, you can't. You're going to serve somebody. It, it, it never, I don't care how old you get, you're still serving somebody. You're going, to, you're going to follow somebody. There's going to be some folks that's going to tell you what to do every day of your life, Right? That may not happen like, like, like we're talking about right now with, with being in the home and mom and dad saying, hey, do this, do that. I, I, that's not what I'm talking about. But you're going to serve somebody. There's always going to be somebody that you'll have to, you'll have to answer to. And so we've got we've to be careful with that. Leonard Wood uh, visited the, uh, uh, the king of France one day. When he got there, the king was so pleased with him, and he, he, he enjoyed talking with him, they invited him for dinner the next day, the very next day. Sir Leonard went to the palace, and the king meeting him in, in one of the halls said, Sir Leonard, on the next day he showed up, and the king said, he saw him in the hall, said, I didn't expect to see you today. How is it that you're here? And he said, well, did, did not your majesty invite me yesterday to dine with you? And, and the king said, yes, I did, but you didn't answer. And then he said these words to the king. He said, a king's invitation is never to be answered, but to be obeyed. A king's response, my response is not to, not to answer, but my response for you being the king is simply to obey you. What is, what is the father saying to us tonight as our king? What is he speaking? What is he saying? Those things that he's speaking into our hearts and speaking into our lives. Are we simply listening and we, we, we just do the things that we think that we, that we enjoy doing? Or are we obeying him? What a, that's a wonderful, wonderful thought. There's so many things that God has told us to do and we don't need to question them. We just need to do it. We need to, we need to follow what the Lord said. We just need to obey them. Is that easy? No, it's not easy all the time. Sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it's hard, but understand the fact that God's got your best interest at heart. God understands where you are. God understands who you are. God understands what you can take and what you can't take. He does. He knows that. He knows that, and he knows that about me. That's why Job was able to say, though God slay me, I'm still going to trust him. He knows me. My life is in his hands. My life is in his hands. Romans 1 and 5 said this, Through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from the faith. What are you talking about? The scripture tells us that obedience comes from the faith. Could it, could it, could, could it be that, that true faith always obeys? Could it be that true faith, if you've got true faith tonight, could it be that you will obey? 
you will obey. You'll obey him. You'll trust in him. You'll lean upon him. Acts 2 and 38, Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Peter called for obedience. This is what you need to do. I'm calling for obedience. Acts 5 and 32 said, We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 7 said, This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11 and 7 said, By faith, Noah, when warned about these things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. He, he obeyed, brother. He didn't, under, he didn't understand what was fixing to take place. He, he never seen rain like that before. He, he never seen a boat like that before. Can you imagine Noah and God giving him the plans and him thinking, what in the world have I got myself into? <laughs> what in the world? 120 years it took him to build this thing. Able to preach, able to minister, but he's only able to get his family in to save his, save his, save his, save his household. Uh, Hebrews 11 and 8 said, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go up to a place he would receive later as an inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. I thought about that scripture a lot. That, that's a tough scripture right there. When God says go, where do you want me to go, God? I'll let you know, just go. Pack your bag and go. Well, you want me to go north? You want me to go south? You want me to go east? You want me to go west? You want me to walk? You want me to ride? You want me to get a horse? Get a camel? What do you want me to do? Just go. Just go. And many times our faith, really, every one of us, really, our faith is slow to surrender to God and obey Him. But I promise you we'll be better off if we just simply listen and obey. So how can we become more obedient? The answer is simply this. We've got to start where we are. We've got to start where we are. We've got to obey the Lord the best we can. Every time we come across a command of His and a word of His, we start small and we just continue to build. Noah built that ark one board at a time, Brother Keith, one board at a time. And before it was over with, man, he was able to get his family in there. He was able to get all the animals in there. It was a huge vessel. But God saved him. God delivered him. I think sometimes that's, that's one of the problems we have. We don't fear God anymore. Even in our, in our culture today, we don't, we don't fear God. We need to have a holy fear of the Lord. You don't, you don't many of us don't run a marathon uh, the first time you go out. You start small, don't you? You build up. You start exercising. You start jogging. It takes time. It takes effort. All of these things before you can run a 26, 27-mile run. It takes time to do that. So the same principles applies to simply obeying God. We've got to learn to obey and just listen to the Lord, but we've got to start to obey, and as soon as we can, the better off we're going to be. So being born of God simply is an obedience. We surrender to obedience. And then last, this afternoon, is being born of God gives, gives us victory over the world. It gives us victory over the world. Verse 4 and 5 says, Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You may look at me, and people may look at you, and they'll count you out. But if you're God's people, you're not counted out. You're going to overcome. 
Well, yeah, but you, you've, you've had to file bankruptcy, and you've had to do this, and you've lost this, and you've lost that. That may be fine. We understand all of that. But if I've got Christ living in me, I'm an overcomer tonight. He's not going to let me go under. He will not let me go under. My position is I've got to obey him. I've got to trust in him. I must stand on my two feet and trust in what I know to be true. You know what faith is? We've talked about faith. Faith is just stepping out on nothing and, and, and believing that something is going to be there. It's trusting. It's having faith. Having faith. Everyone that is born of God overcomes the world. So what's so bad about the world in Paso? That's, that's what many people would ask. What's, what's bad is that the ideas and the ideologies and all of these things that the world is trying to, to, to put on us and oppress upon us is not from God. And, and when a person falls in love with the world, they become guilty of the sin. They become guilty of the sin of idolatry. It's not things that I worship. It's Christ, Brother Mike, that I worship. Nothing wrong with things. Nothing wrong with you having cars and boats and, 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 and toys and things. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not what I'm saying. But if those things start taking, you know, over God, there's where, there's where our fault is. There's, there's where the idolatry comes, comes in. It can't, we, we can't do that. We, we can't love the world too much. We can't expect the world will give us the gospel. We can't expect the world to evangelize. You can't, you can't expect the world to, to talk about Christ. They'll, they'll talk, but they, most of the time they're not going to talk about Christ. There's very little anymore, if you're honest with ourselves, there's very little on television anymore that you can even watch, really, because of all the things that's going on, and we've learned to just accept some of those things. Robert lawyer wrote long ago, said, William Law warned that the world is now a greater enemy to the Christian than it was in apostolic times. It is a greater enemy because it has greater power over Christians by its, by its favors and riches and honors and rewards and protection than it had by the fire and fury of its persecutors. Yet the world is quite attractive in some ways, and some ways it appears to be harmless. It's not what God created that is our enemy, but, what, but it's what man has done with God's creation that is our enemy. Look at the world's ideas. Look at the world's dreams. Look at the world's goals. Look at what the world says. You've got to do this in order to be successful. You've got to have this in order to be successful. Lust and greed and pride and all these things, and that's just a few of the words we can mention. All of these things, according to the word, are in opposition. Matter of fact, 1 John 2 and 15 said this, Don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God, he lives forever. forever. You remember Lot and his wife in Sodom and Gomorrah? Lot chose the rich plain. Lot chose the place that the grass was greener. Lot chose the place the trees and the fruit was bigger. All of these things. He chose that place and they landed there in Sodom and Gomorrah and it was a wicked city, the Bible said. Two angels came one day to rescue Lot, his wife and family, and told him to get out of the city because the city is fixing to be destroyed. Don't look back. Don't look back. 
Matter of fact, the city was so vile that the two angels that came, the men of the city of that day, wanted, wanted to have sexual relationships with the two angels. Pastor, is that in the Bible? Go read it. That's where it's, it's there. Lot put, it, put the two angels in his house protecting them, and the angel said, you've got to go. The Lord's going to destroy this place. You've got to go. Get your family. Get your family. Don't look back, but just go. You know the story. They left. It was a tough discussion with Lot's wife. She didn't want to leave. And we could go into a lot of detail with you concerning Lot's wife and who she was at that time, sitting at the gates of the city and her prestige of that, era, of that time and all of these things. But she, the world had a hold of her. The world, had, she, she, she loved that sort of thing. She loved it. And to be honest with you, Lot liked a little bit of it too. He did. But at least he had enough sense to get out. And he didn't look back, but Lot's wife turned around and looked at the city. The Bible said, <clears throat> excuse me, that she turned into a pillow of salt. Now think about that. The love of the world, the love of the world. I'm going to tell you, the, 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 love of this, the, this, the, the love of this world and the love of the things that's in the world will, will take you down a, long, a wrong road. And as I said earlier, it's not, Brother Adam, the creation that, that, uh, that is our problem. That we, we can enjoy the creation of God. We can enjoy the beautiful things of God. We can enjoy those things and possessions God that, that God has blessed you with. But do not allow those things to, take for, to be first place over your relationship with God. Don't do that. What are you saying, Pastor? Are you, are you saying that I'm not ever supposed to miss a Sunday morning? That's not what I'm saying. Are you saying I can't ever go to the lake on Sunday? I didn't say that at all. Some of you go to the lake on Sunday. I don't ever fuss at you, do I? We do things on Sunday. I get it. We, we do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. We all need a break. We all need vacations. We all need those times away and of, of refreshing and, and recharging. And all. I get it. I understand all that. But if, Brother Adam, if I, if I go this Sunday and then next Sunday and then the next Sunday, and about before long, I got six or eight months down the road, I ain't been in church because my God is the lake, then I got issues. I got problems. Yeah, but you got them cameras now. <laughs> I can watch that stuff on cameras and I can listen. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But the Bible still does say, do not forsake the assembling together. Why is that? Because we need one another. We must have one another. I've got to have you and you've got to have me. We've, we've got to come together. So John tells us don't love the world or anything in the world. And as tempting many times as the world is, there is victory in Christ. There is victory over the world's sinfulness in Christ. And that's the victory that we're talking about tonight. Simply, we, have, we can overcome the world even through our faith, even through our faith. Somebody one time said, said well, if you're, if you're born once, you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, you'll only die once. And that's true. Think about that. If you're born once, you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, you'll die one time. All right? So we, we know we've been born physically, but we experience that second birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The door of heaven will be open to us, and it'll be ours only because of our acceptance with Jesus Christ, for, for Jesus Christ, all because of him, and all depends upon him simply through our faith. I am born of God tonight, according to 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 through, 1 through 5. I am born of God through my faith. I trust in Him. I lean. I've given myself, Sister Marilyn, to the Lord. 
we give ourselves freely unto the Father. We lay our life down. He laid his life. We lay our life down for him tonight so that he can take us, grow us, mature us, do with us what he needs to do. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why this week, Holy Week, that's why this weekend, Resurrection Sunday, for us as Christians, ought to be the most exciting time of the year. This, this week right here and Sunday. Our Lord is not in a tomb. He's not in a tomb. You'll hear this Sunday, I don't want to preach my sermon Sunday to you, but all the other religions that you can think of, Brother Chuck, and their leaders, their leaders are still in the tomb. But our leader is not in the tomb. <laughs> Hallelujah. Our leader, the tomb is empty. Amen. The tomb is empty. You go Muhammad and Buddha and all, whatever, they, they're still in the tomb. But our tomb is empty. Go look. It's empty. He's alive forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we love you tonight and we're so thankful for your many blessings tonight, God. I am so thankful that we can say tonight that we are born of the Father. We're born of Jesus Christ. Because of what you've done on the cross of Calvary, because of the blood that you shed on Calvary, we have life tonight, and I thank you for that. Now, God, I pray that you bless us. I pray that you help us, oh God, in our spiritual walk with you. If there's anything, God, in my life tonight that doesn't belong, forgive me. If there's anything that I've done, if there's anything that I've said, God, don't hold it to my charge. Don't, as I come before you, make me whole and make me pure. I give it to you, O oh God, and, and reveal it, God, where I can do something about it. But God, I forgive us, O oh God, of all of our wrongdoing when we come before you. Lord, it could be that this weekend, this Easter weekend, it, it could be a time that you come back after your church. I don't know if it'll be that then or not, but God, if it is, help us be ready. Help us be ready. Help us to look to you every day. God, help us to look to you. We'll give you thanks. We'll give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.